Well, here we are, everyone. It's another Wednesday, which means that it's time to recap manga weekly and goodly, because that's what we do. Uh, it has never been in our mission statement to do it well, or as you say, goodly. So I would like <laughs> to pull way. that back. We're going to do it mehly today. I think. <laughs> I like how I didn't even say it's like we're the best at doing it. We are so good at recap manga. It's like, no, no, you were objected to us doing it. We're fine. Like, in an acceptable manner. We no, are no, no. fine. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick here with Quinn. It's July the 27th of 2022. And we got a bunch of different chapters to talk about today. And uh, there's some weird stuff going on for both of us. So we're going to try and get this ball rolling. And we'll see how well we can keep it on this path before it goes creating off a cliff. I do have a, do a, a small tangent. Because you always got to you got to get that okay. energy going. There we go. That's how we get the ball rolling. Yeah. Like going the wrong direction. Here we exactly. go. <laughs> how do you think Sisyphus got that boulder up the hill, Nick? Now, I don't remember the end the of the story. <laughs> I don't remember the end of the story, but eventually he gets it up there. I, I don't know if it. Uh, I don't know if there is an end to that story. I think that the point is that it keeps on going. It's, no, it's, it gets to the top of the hill. It's like it's like I... Detective Conan. Like there's no end in sight. <laughs> he gets to the top of the hill. There's an and and I'm like. I've seen enough, and I stopped reading Lesson <laughs> Learned. Um, I, I, I have like my Rolo T Twitter account now, and I uh, yeah. almost exclusively use it for just like jokes. Like, I feel like a funny thought comes to my head, and one of the few things I do with it is I like to watch like a popular new movie and be like, "The Batman." More like the Batman, like <laughs> and then afterwards put like a quick like one sentence real thought thing. I just saw Jordan Peele's Nope. And it's was... it's an excellent review system, yeah, by the way. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's one sentence and you get it. Uh, I just saw Jordan Peele's Nope, and I'm so angry because like I spent hours like meh ope no no ope like I, I kept trying more to like think. nip. Yeah, I was like more like. Oh, damn it. There's nothing. It's it's impenetrable. Jordan Peele is such a revolutionary director. He shattered my flawless movie review system. Because look, God damn, God damn you, Jordan Peele. You and your very, very short and concise titles. Yeah. <laughs> but even if, even like get out, I could be like meh out no. yeah i yeah. can do something with it but or nope. get meh yeah nope it's just like I, there's nothing i could do to just be like meh <laughs> oh great movie, there's your the view way. of there's your review of nope by the way it is a very good movie by the way I, i'm not a, i'm not like a horror fan generally but this one's this one's very good I, i've been ruminating it on it for a while now jordan peele's movies have had that effect on me the other two that i've seen so uh there we go. And that's it for weekly meh recap. <laughs> See how easy it is? You can easily get it in there. Weekly manga recap. You I can even do weekly manga meh cap. It'll still work. If you really want to. It, it, there's a lot of syllables in there is the point. There's a lot of different places you can fit it in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to transition to talking about My Hero Academia. Mm, meh Hero right. Academia. The, the 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 I mean the abbreviation very nearly spells it out anyway. Pretty so, much. but uh, there's a guy with fingers in it. Uh, so I guess that we'll we'll talk about it now. All right. So uh, chapter number three sixty 
despite everything with an ellipses. Yeah. Uh, so make a note of that. And uh, then regardless of what the chapter title is next week, that means that that's a continuation of this sentence. Yeah. Oh, like, what if next week's like, despite everything, you're still you or something like that. Or it's like, or no, that's in spite of everything. How the fuck does it go in, in not Homestruck, Home something? What's that nerdy fucking shitty Earthbound like game that people love? Undertale? Yeah, there it is. I don't know why I called it shitty. I'm just angry because I forgot its <laughs> name. I apologize. It's very beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I like how you're apologizing for shitting on it, but also you didn't shit on it because you couldn't remember what it was called. I was like, what's that fucking, I don't know, people enjoy it, fucking shit, it's fucking. What's that shitty fucking, like, Captain Planet, no, that's not it, uh, the Kung Fu Elements show, Avatar, Yeah. People like it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, that was a reference to Undertale. <laughs> All right, so we opened this chapter with Shigaraki um, just being a dick, stepping on uh, Bakugo, but uh, presumably not in the sexy way. Presumably. I don't know. You never oh, know maybe. with people's standards for yeah. being stepped on. Um but he's mocking him as well. Uh, and also he's saying like, hey, Izuka Midori is supposed to be here, right? So having my quirk erased right now is actually a blessing in disguise. I guess. I, 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 I'm not sure exactly what he means by that, but okay. Uh, Bakugo uh, tries to lash out at him with his remaining arm. You know, the one that's not dangling at his side. But... Uh, Chigaraki grabs him with his toes by the hair and flicks him up into the air and then axe kicks his remaining gauntlet and breaks it, which is a pretty cool goddamn move, I will say. That's like one of those things that you do when you're like, you're something on the ground, you want to pick it up and you're too lazy and also you think this will be cool. And then 90% of the time it just goes, you like can't pick it up or it goes flying. And it's like, no, 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 this time, this time it'll work. And Shigaraki, that's why he's the final villain. That's that's why he's the big boss. Because he makes it work. He's very cool like that, you know? I'd be over there slipping, sliding, falling over the place. Nah. Yeah. Not one stroke Shigaraki, which he doesn't appreciate. <laughs> he's like, can I get a different one? That's, like, why no. he's got, that's why he's got to step on people. Is that he's got to do all the foreplay in order for, you know... Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, Shigaraki grabs Bakugo by the throat and he says that because he doesn't have his quirks and stuff that means that Bakugo's corpse will be left intact which I mean I'm not really sure you, you're, you're doing lots of weird things with your fingers I'm sure you could do stuff but whatever uh, and uh, then he grabs Bakugo by the something it's hard to tell because he's got fingers everywhere and he said you once said you've always admired All Might's triumphs. Well, it's time for a reality check, Katsuki Bakugo. Uh, and there's, like, just very briefly 
an image of all the fingers squishing Bakugo. It's pretty gross. Uh, but that doesn't actually happen, which is not really clear momentarily. But then it cuts back to Bakugo and he's, you know, still in one piece and not covered in organs. So I guess he didn't do that. Yes. Uh, and now Shigaraki does truly mock him. He just says, it doesn't matter what heights you reach. You're always just going to be a hanger on for Izuku Midoriya. A minnow. <laughs> in all, one for all's wake. Oh, it does have sucks. to hurt to be called a minnow. I, I, I haven't been called one myself personally, but I feel like it would be a devastating thing to be called. Yeah. You know, Gilligan's Isle, the SS Minnow, fucking getting everyone stranded. You'd have to be a minnow. Fuck you. Yeah. Nedjure, um does something. She gathers waves together and throws them in a like lance shape towards Shigaraki, who... Um, it's just like, okay, and just moves Bakugo's body to be in the way. So she has to twist it out of the way, uh, so that it doesn't hurt Bakugo. Uh, but then suddenly invisible scorpions appear from nowhere and, and stab Shigaraki in the back because, uh, Sun Eater is there and he has, uh, combined the camouflage ability of an octopus with, uh, a scorpion's toxin. And he just... Says, I guess, to assure people, like, yes, I did, in fact, eat a scorpion. He says, eating bugs is all the rage these days. And he's like, I, I won't judge you. You you did it to get powered up. I won't judge you for eating a scorpion, dude. It's okay. Anyway, he is trying to stab him with his venomous stinger thingy. Yes. Uh, which doesn't work on, on Shigaraki. Because I thought he doesn't have any quirks. <laughs> I thought it was going to take him out for good. I, I thought this was going to be it. Like, yeah, they didn't even need uh, Lemillion. They just fucking yeah. threw them together. Yeah. So, you know, you got stabbed with giant scorpion toxin tails. They just like, no, my body keeps evolving with all the quirks I don't have access to right now. It's look, it's fine. Uh, mouths appear because he's gross. Uh, and just start destroying everything around him. Uh, Lemillion manages to grab Bakugo by appearing from the ground while Shigaraki is lashing about, and he just tosses him towards where best she can catch him with one of his thread things. Uh, and Shigaraki looks at Mirio and says, I remember your stupid face from Jaku. <laughs> All right, maybe well, maybe all for one hasn't completely taken him over. If he's calling people stupid. Lemillion <laughs> uh, in introduces himself, and uh, he basically just like gives this whole like peppy introduction for himself. He says, "You can count on me to fight off villains who might crash our party and spread intel around without delay." Uh, and yeah, so. guess this is shigaraki saying this all of a sudden he says why do you destroy which i think the word bubble is supposed to be pointing towards mirio but it's not like it so i don't know wait that's his cape there's three mirios in this picture because he's flipping all right my hero's action is too hard for me to follow these days like i can't do it i, I so shigaraki says in response to the question why do you destroy because the current framework has failed. To which Miri responds, oh, I get it. 
You never had any friends. It's real. It's real. Woody confronts young Xehanort energy like, you've never had any friends and no one's ever loved you before. <laughs> like, God damn, dude. You had to fucking savage him this much. <laughs> uh, why is the darkness getting pushed away? <laughs> He's being so hurtful. <laughs> the hero's supposed to pull a little bit of their punches. <laughs> uh, so Mira quickly thinks to himself, like, I could easily get to Shigaraki, but when I attack him, I, you know, I just punch him. So I need to do something else. I must escort Hado's energy waves to point blank range, which is a thing he can do. Because as he's thinking this, Nejire like loops out some energy towards him and it curls around his forearm. And then he just delivers it in a big old punch to Shigaraki's gut. So... Yeah, I guess he, I guess they can do that. Uh, all right, sure. Yeah, why sure. Not? Why not? Uh, best genist goes to attend to Bakugo's wounds, and he says, "Look, we look. There's no time to rest. You got to. You, we need your help." In so. fairness, do we know anything about Nejere to say whether or not that's what her ability does? Like, I feel like this is like the maybe the third or fourth time we've seen it in action. She gives a lecture on how her powers work every other Sunday in the rec room. And if you would just attend sometime, then you would know that. I'm busy on whatever day you said, though. <laughs> I'm busy doing anything but caring about Ned Drake. <laughs> I'm busy thinking about gang orca, so I'll never be able to get in there. Um, Genus, you know, is trying to get Bakugo to like, you know, hey, pay attention. You know, look, there's no time to despair despite what's happened to you and what he said to you. We've got to get going. Uh, and he's like, look, you've he is completely surpassed any of our expectations. We need your help on this. And we know that like you, you've done way more than we expected of you anyway. You're not a failure, basically. But Bakugo is not even listening to him, it turns out. He just is kind of muttering to himself using a right side finger fade. And he isn't actually seemingly thinking at all about the giant put down that Shigaraki gave him. He's just trying to strategize how they can win still. And Jesus is blown away by this, which makes sense. He's like a 16 year old kid who just had his right arm broken into multiple pieces and his entire world shattered. So pretty much. Yeah. And that's where we leave off is, is like, yeah, Bakugo's still trying to win. So. I, it is. It is a cool moment of like, all right, Bakugo. It, it, it's a nice duality because on one hand, Bakugo's like, never give up, never surrender. I'm always going to beat you. But we can also see he's crying. He is yeah. impacted by being called a minnow, by feeling so powerless in the, the face of this villain. And, and Bakugo has made it very clear. He wants to be the number one hero. He wants to be the best kind of hero. And for him to confront something he can't defeat is this very difficult thing for him to process. And I, I, I do like that characterization. I think in a different series, we would see the protagonist, like we'd see this character just get up and be like, never. But I, I think it does actually add a bit of depth to this character to see them so emotional about this, this confrontation, this realization. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, if you're going to have Bakugo job out to the, the final villain before Deku comes, swings in and beats them, 
then yeah, have him look good first. Yeah. So. And I think we're still going to get something else from Bakugo at the end of this. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe he farts out a bomb. Maybe that's what beats him. Like, Oh, shit. the bomb that was inserted into his rectum. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Cause it turns out if you just aim it right, you don't even blow up your insides. It just goes all out the butt. So it was actually a gesture of love. Yeah. Well, oh. Nick, of course that's what that entire relationship was. Yeah. About. It was about love. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We've got to hold off a few chapters. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Undead Unluck, Chapter One Twenty. This is much easier. Uh, so last time we had a revelation despite about despite it all, despite everything, this is much easier. Is there much we easier. go. Yeah. Uh, so we had the big reveal about Billy's powers and that you know how unfair works, and we know that he needs people to hate him before he can actually copy their powers. So he has yep. disposed of uh, Unruin, uh, or just Ruin rather. Uh, not completely, but he has kept it from being a massive scene because he is basically now using Unchange and, and wrapping it around his body the same way he did to basically immobilize Andy all that time ago. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I had to get my targets to see me as an enemy in order to finally copy these abilities. If I couldn't overcome the likes of you after all that, it'd be unfair. And I just kind of like him continuing to use that line. Just, just shut up. Like, just, just stop. Cut no. it. I, we get it. Now the mystery of what his power is has been revealed. It's it's really, it's like, I don't know, this is just like a character gimmick here. It's like, you saw that word in the dictionary one day, you're like, unfair. That's a good one. I'm going to use that. And now that I've explained my abilities to you, they're no longer unknown yeah it's it's like when i first learned what the word ubiquitous means and i started <laughs> using it all the time i was just like you know kind of like the mcdonald's that are like ubiquitous because they're just like everywhere and like i guess if you stretch the definition a little bit <laughs> then sure you exaggerate it a little bit i'm like yes i sound smart <laughs> uh anyway ruins like this will never work. A pathetic ability will never be able to hold a candle to the almighty God. And we get a little flashback of uh, Billy first learning about undead and find out. Yeah, he negates all things that pertain to his own death. Everything. He just, you know, pound him away till dust. He'll still survive. But, you know, it's this is like a flashback of Nico explaining, mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is how Andy escaped and Gina. So we see Billy was like, ah, this is the one. A regeneration ability that can withstand even God's attacks. You know, this is the power. I need hero ability. You would be the key. And we see another flashback of Billy with a very, very early stage of Union. uh, Or under, rather. Where Tell is there, who seems to be in an earlier state. uh, Doesn't have the book and actually has like a cord, like uh, the voice box, like directly connected into the throat. Uh, we see Creed and I believe Fang back there. Uh, and it's just like sort of a, a fallout meeting of like, hey, we know this is undead. He's been operating since like 1870. He just wants to seemingly find a way to die. But we don't really know enough about him for you to troll him. <laughs> like that's not yeah. the exact words, but they're like, we don't know how you could piss the guy off enough to take his ability. Uh, and then he's like, but then you found Fuko and he, he shouts out, stand aside, because Ruin is trying to do another attack. And and he dodges. They use Tatiana's bow to create a designated release area. And then uh, they, they narrow down where Shadow is. And Billy gets down there. 
and uses unmove and unchained at the same time to basically immobilize the both of them. And Ruin's like, what the fuck? Is this dude stacking abilities? Like, this is bullshit. You can't stack buffs like this. Yeah, that sucks. You're wasting your effort no matter how many worthless abilities you have. You won't be able to ruin me, much less God. And Billy's just like, yeah, I know, you know. I. Hey, now you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he thinks, I wanted you guys to despise me. And you were a cruel man who used Fuko as a tool to try to kill yourself. So I initially thought it'd be easy to get you to hate me. But as I got to know you, I came to realize, and he... he continues like hey undead what do you think of me now and andy's just like i think you try too hard to bear everything on your own and you may outrank me in this racket but you're still a dope and i'm right at your heels and uh billy's just like for me my biggest stroke of unluck was the fact that you were a good guy all along i never thought i wouldn't be able to use an ability i'd already stolen no i guess you're the one who changed all that fuko that's exactly why I need the power to help you both. And he's like, you know, Ruin's like, even the gators can struggle to your heart's content, but God will rule over all. It's a per, you know, like you pathetic, the gators are nothing but vessels to make the world go round. Only unruined and undead and those bestowed with eternal life can travel to the perfect world. And Billy starts smiling. He's like, that's why I'm really glad that you showed up. So you're the inferior version of Undead, are you? Everyone's like, what do you mean? Like, well, don't you think it was weird that you were even able to kill Fuko? Like, if you could just loop like Undead, then Juez would have known of your existence before in exercise of caution. But since you were never able to pull, like, since you were never able to pull it off, it means that in every loop so far, you've died without ever interacting with us. You've never made it out of any of the loops. So by that own logic, you're only here chosen by God is undead. And you're just an imperfect reject. But hey, at least now I can steal your abilities and use it to kill God. And Ruin's like, no, 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 this power is mine alone. And we just see Billy stand up and all of his wounds start closing. He's like... Oh, well, this is much easier. I couldn't care less about being hated by someone I despise. So thanks, Ruin. Yeah. He, he gives them the, you know, we've had a couple of chapters in a row here now where it's like, hey, by the way, you suck. And this is why you suck. <laughs> but this one is a good guy doing it. So it works out for him perfectly. Uh, <laughs> Billy, Billy is great. I, I, I do love this moment of him just shitting all over. And he's like, hey, you hate me. Cool. Thanks for Unruin. <laughs> He's making a great troll face when he says an imperfect reject too, like the way he crinches his eyebrows and stuff. Yeah. Like, ah, you suck. <laughs> it is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see how this turns out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't expect it, but maybe this is just Billy trying to fight against God long enough to distract uh, for Fuko and uh, for Fuko to get on the arc. Yeah. All right. So next, uh, we're we're moving stuff a little bit around because we're getting a few, we're getting gradually some series coming back that had uh, taken a break. So that means that we're not closing on Chainsaw Man this week. Instead, we're going to be talking about it here, uh, alongside basically the other stuff that currently runs on Jump Plus. So, yes. uh, so Chainsaw Man, Chapter One Hundred, uh, which. <laughs> 
I kind of forgot that, yeah, we left off on chapter 97 before the break. So it's, here it is, the it's, 100th it's chapter. Big. Well, Nick, we, I mean, look, we got a couple chapters explaining everything. It's the big chapter 100, so surely, you know, Fujimoto is going to go all out. Maybe it's not going to be a big deal. You know, it doesn't all have to be like one piece. Like, oh, wow, fucking dragon showed up and Luffy was almost sexy. It's not necessarily for that. But at least Chainsaw Man's going to be back. Like, Chainsaw Man is in Chainsaw Man chapter 100, at least. Yeah. Right? No. No. Uh, <laughs> this is quite easily uh, the lowest key, uh, least eventful chapter since Chainsaw Man came back. If you didn't tell me this was Chainsaw Man, you just sent me this chapter. Oh, absolutely. I would have been like, oh, Fujimoto's still doing one shots, yeah. right? Like fun little yeah, one shots cool. that show about the beauty of humanity. Yeah. There is definitely a lot of that energy to this chapter. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into it. It's chapter 100, How to Walk Shoeless. So uh, Mitaka has joined a little three-person team to you know try and catch a devil so that they can join the Devil Hunters Club uh, with Yoshida and with a short-haired girl with glasses who we find out very early on is named Yuko. Uh, because unlike everyone that was in the first chapter, she was like, no, I'm just going to actually introduce myself to people who don't know my name and make it easier on everyone. Uh, and um, so they're wandering around just the school. And uh, Yuko asked the obvious question of like, would, there, would we really just find devils inside the school? Uh, and Yoshida says, this is the biggest school in Tokyo. And supposedly devils sometimes live in the unused classrooms. So maybe that's true. Maybe he is deliberately leading them out of danger. Who knows? I know that devils occupy this world. It is truly wild that people can be walking down this hallway and see like two students, one carrying a katana, the other carrying a battle axe and just be like, all right, I guess the devil hunters clubs up to some shit again. So they're wandering around. Uh, they introduce themselves to each other. Uh, Yuko says, I'm super into Chainsaw Man lately. And Yoshida says, oh, Chainsaw Man's great, right? I like him, too. You're lying. You're lying. <laughs> uh, and Mitaka's just like, um, it's Mitaka. And she's like, why? Why? Why am I on a team with the guy that the freaking war devil hit on so hard? Uh, and she's like, I just I just want to go. I just want, I just want to go. I just, please let me leave. Please, please. Uh, and Yuko's like, do you like Chainsaw Man, Asa? Uh, sure. And then uh, a group of girls from her class are wandering together down the hall in the opposite direction. And they spot each other as they're passing by each other. And they just kind of quietly pass by while Mitaka's like, shit, shit, they're from my class, they're from my class, shit, shit. And nothing happens until... The girls have passed them and are already on their way further down the hall than for one of them to say she's got some nerve trying to get a boyfriend after what she did. Uh, and Mitaka like breaks out into a sweat. Uh, the, her two companions, of course, have no idea what's going on. Uh, and Mitaka drops the katana she's carrying and says, uh, I've I got I got I got to go. I got to go do something. Uh, and they're like, well, what, what's up? Like, no, I got to go. I got to go. And she staggers, I guess, is the word off, because she's like proceeding at a full tilt downward, staring at the ground while she goes off. Uh, and she thinks about the time that, you know, she crushed Bucky to death. 
and everyone stared at her in hatred afterwards. Uh, so she goes to leave. She gets to the shoe lockers at the front of the school to get her regular shoes. And someone has put guts on them uh, and raw meat. I think it's chicken, which makes sense. Uh, so someone's ruined her shoes. That's a pretty uh, big bummer. And what I think is what I hope is really important is that those students wash their hands afterwards. You don't want to be handling raw chicken. Not wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. Sound good. Uh, Yuko being worried about Mitaka has followed her and the, she sees that someone's put, you know, meat on her shoes. Uh, but Mitaka just goes to, to leave uh, with, you know, without shoes on. She's just going to walk in socks home. And she's just thinking to herself that she just kind of quietly. She's not even looking upset anymore. She She's just blank. Uh, and she's just saying to herself, I'm fine. It's all fine. Uh, and she's going home. And the war devil starts talking to her and says, don't walk shoeless. Our feet hurt. <laughs> I do. I do kind of like uh, war devil who's slightly concerned about the situation. Who's just like. Bullying is a commonality in communities without social fluidity. Like, it's just like, we should be wearing shoes. Like, <laughs> thank you, based war devil. <laughs> it is the most humanity that the war devil has shown thus far. Like, specifically saying, it's like, hey, should I take care of this for you? Obviously, she means, hey, can I kill those three girls? <laughs> we know ultimately in the war devil's mind, it's like, let's let's rip their faces off and use them as swords. <laughs> But, like, the fact that it's actually expressed through some con- expression of concern is, like, a step in the right direction, bizarrely enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but Mitaka shouts out the word of, like, no, I'm fine. But Yuko says back to her, you're not fine. And she's been following her uh, to make sure she's okay. And she stopped to take her shoes off before following after Mitaka. And she says, yeah, yeah, going around shoeless sure does hurt your feet. Here, uh, you can you can have one of my shoes. If you only wear one shoe, only one of your feet will hurt. Which, That's science. It's it's science. It's science, and it's so fucking dopey of like a sweet thing. Yeah. So Mitaka's like, "What? No, no, don't do this." So Yuko says, "All right, then you have to give it back to me." And she starts running away. So Mitaka has to follow her. Uh, and she's like, "Ah, come on, give it back." And Mitaka is like, "What?" <laughs> All right. And she puts on the one shoe and they start chasing each other down the street uh, while each of them are going out, 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 out. They're running on a barefoot on like sidewalks and concrete and stuff. I like that there's one dude in one panel who's just like, what the fuck are those two doing? Yeah. <laughs> but they just rush, run after each other for a while until they arrive at uh, Yuko's house. It's a little bit run down looking. And she says, hey, uh, so this is my house. You want to come in? And Mitaka's like, no, thanks. So Yuko says, here, you know, the other one, too. I've got extra shoes. And now both your feet will be on the way home. I'm like, please don't be this nice to me. I don't know how to handle it. It's it's very sweet. Mitaka tries to deny it. And Yuko's like, well, fine. If you can just sell my shoes or help throw them away if you want to. But basically, it's like you're taking them. So Mitaka wa- starts walking home. She's got Yuko's shoes on and she's kind of starts off just like staring at the ground the way that she was when she was uh, trying to run away. 
but then she kind of like starts looking at her shoes as she's walking and she makes a an expression i'm not sure exactly what is meant to be read from it because it's a weird face uh, and then we end on the weird little jokey note of the war devil saying, shall we go and sell them? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very sweet chapter. It, it nicely humanizes this cast. And unfortunately, knowing this series, it makes you really, really like, uh, Asa, uh, or not Asa, um, Yuko? what's her name? Yuko a lot, uh, before she inevitably gets like fucking, gored by a, a fucking fire extinguisher devil or some shit you're not expecting and you're just like oh i i at least wanted you to not have to have a gruesome end yeah um, but it, you know fujimoto is very effective at making uh nice people do nice things in a very fun flavorful way i, I his, his relationships always feel gen- very genuine they get you connected to the characters yeah um I was thinking to myself after the first time I read this chapter that uh, it's it seems like very telling that Mitaka has just had the most traumatizing day of her life, uh, or at least her first life, considering she literally died. It was brought back uh, because of all the stuff that happened with Bucky, uh, everyone hating her, and then um, the class president uh, murdering her by splitting her face open. Mm-hmm. And then coming back as a devil and killing her teacher and the president. Uh, And the thing that she's thinking about that has traumatized her and the thing that triggers her and makes her, you know, need to run away from the situation is just her classmates looking at her and hating her has nothing to do with the near death slash actual death incident. It's just that. And that's the big thing that is currently in her head. Um, And so I thought like that's like really telling, you know, for her character. But then I thought maybe it's not necessarily telling just for her character, because all those other students are still focused on bullying her when a double murder has happened to one of their classmates and their teacher. And no one has made mention of it so far. <laughs> it's sort of like how at the end of Eternals, uh, there's a fucking, uh, like half a celestial sticking out of the planet and Earth. And then there's been like four MCU properties since then. And not once has that little detail come <laughs> up. You're like, not once has anyone brought up <laughs> that there's a dude sticking out of a planet. And you're just like, you got to give it time. It'll eventually catch up and be relevant. So I think that what's really happening is that this is kind of a version of the I mean, you know, this is the high school story arc that we're getting for Chainsaw Man, which means that there are going to be some degree of just regular high school problems being dealt with. In this case, being bullied an object of social contempt. Uh, it's kind of like how, you know, if you have, you know, a superhero set in high school story. There's, yeah, all this stuff like, I gotta defeat the bad guys after I've been given this ancient powers that will I'll stop the dark ones and all that. Oh man, I really hope Susie likes me. Who am I gonna ask to the school yeah, dance? Yeah, like at, at some point it's just like, but I hope I don't miss the dance. So I think that that's, that yes, it is important to keep in mind like the stuff that is affecting Mitaka, but also we're probably going to get more cases of this going forward of like regular high school problems in addition to all the weird Chainsaw Man stuff. Yeah. The other note I want to make is, yes, of course, it's very worrying that Yuko is 
you know, being made out to be nice and stuff so that we feel bad when she dies. But also, um, the war devil said that people that belong to her, she can turn into weapons. So I'm really worried that she's going to say something like, oh, don't worry. Like you're I'm your girl or something like that. And the war devil's going to be like, yes, now you're a tank. (laughs) Which will mean one of two things. Either uh, she'll just, you know, be killed by being turned into a weapon or she'll be like Mitaka's signature sword thing, which which could potentially be very fun. (laughs) Like on one end, I'm here for it. On the other hand, it'd be very sad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot going on. Um, that in terms of like th- thoughts of like what could be on the uh, road ahead of us, and I'm very excited for them. So yes. I really, really liked this chapter, despite how little technically happened in it. So, all right, let's go to Kaiju number eight, let's chapter sixty-seven. Uh, so Kaka is doing lunges, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what this exercise is called. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, doing, it's it's like lunges, but you also pivot one in 180 Mm -hmm. degrees between each one, um, which I'm sure there is a name for that. I've never seen it, but I'm sure there is probably make you dizzy. Uh, he is doing some training, uh, a training regimen, uh, that Kafka's prepared for him saying that he specifically got to, uh, generate power from his lower body. Uh, and he says, look, I'm going to come back twice a week, uh, to check your, your pro- progress. And if you're slacking off, I'll know immediately. Uh, Kafka is working out so hard that he's given himself a Charlie horse. So probably no danger of that. Aww. So he has a bit of a, uh, owl, my, my back, the back of my thigh hurts, roll around to the ground, clutching it, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, Kikoru comes by and, uh, teases him a bit saying, he's like, Oh, wow. Yeah, considering you can't use weapons, I guess this works. So, huh? It's perfect for you. And Kafka gets mad at her and says, all right, well, why? sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal training. Why don't you do it? And Kikura says, yeah, uh, daddy used to do those exercises. Well, I can't be mad at you. You're like, God <laughs> damn it. Like, sometimes Nick's like, hey, did you ever upload that bonus podcast? And I'm just like, I can't. I'm still grieving my dead brother. And you're like, all right, fine. <laughs> Also, by the All way, right. I did forget to upload the bonus podcast. So. I was just asking. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't an accusation or anything. Jeez. <laughs> My dead brother used to make a lot of accusations. <laughs> do you want me to do it more? Is that what's going on? <laughs> uh, Kafka, uh, however, like just kind of takes this as like a, a, a note of encouragement instead from Kikoru and says, oh, all right. Yeah, the director general went through this. That just means that I need to work even harder, you know, and set him as my example, which Kikoru takes as a sign that, OK, he's doing better now. He's not feeling sorry for himself and all that. Uh, and uh, she says, oh, hey, uh, there's a little reward for you because uh, Vice Captain Hasegawa said that uh, you can have the, this phone. And it's his phone that's been confiscated. Uh, and immediately, Kikura's like, why don't you try contacting the old squad? Because they haven't spoken to you in a long time. So Kafka goes back to his quarters, I guess, uh, is the term for it. And he's just kind of staring at his phone. He's like, what, what do I do? What am I supposed uh, I mean, it's been two months since 
I got escorted away and hauled off in a truck. What do I, what do I tell everyone? What will everyone think of me now that they know I'm Kaiju number eight? Is Susie going to want to talk to me? Who am I going to take to the school dance? Uh, so he turns on this phone. And immediately, you know, like you have 13,000 texts waiting for you, of course, comes up because it's been two months. Uh, and he's like, oh, do I? Oh, what have they been saying to me? What kind of messages are waiting for me? I'm so scared to check. And you're just thinking everyone's going to you know, launch accusations at him and stuff, call him a liar and everything. But while he's freaking out over that, the phone starts to ring. He's getting a call from Reno, who I guess knew right when to call. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he just got turned on. Uh, but he, because he's not expecting it when he picks up his phone, he like accidentally hangs up. Um, and he's like, ah, I guess I better just put my phone away for the day. I'm not going to talk to anyone. Instead, uh, Reno's boyfriend calls. And, uh, so Kafka stares at the phone. Like, I I, I guess, I guess I'll answer this call then. So he's like, hello, Iharu, long time no see. And Reno, Reno says, why'd you answer when you thought it was Iharu calling, huh? Yeah, I understand he's mad. Uh, but then he just lays out all the other, you know, scoldings that he's kind of been having to hold on to for the last two months, saying, like, why didn't you contact anyone? Well, I wasn't allowed any outside contact. Did you try? Did you try to ask? Why didn't you use one of the other phones if you didn't have the phone here? Uh, and he says... To cap it all off, do you have any idea how worried we are about you? Uh, and Kafka starts to apologize and to say, I'm sorry, there's just been so much going on. But then he decides, no, I'm not. I'm just making excuses right now. And he admits to being afraid of what everyone thought about it. And he's like, I thought everyone would be afraid of me now that they know I'm Kaiju number eight. And. Reno starts to say something uh, and then Iharu cuts him off and says, yeah, of course we're afraid. You've got kaiju like power inside of you. That scares the hell out of me. But that doesn't mean that I hate you because everyone saw you put your life on the line to save the base. And no one who witnessed that thinks of you as anything other than a friend. Aww. And then Kafka remembers what, you know, Mina told him uh, while he was <laughs> being escorted. Like, no one thinks you're a threat and all that stuff. Uh, so maybe you should have just kept that in mind, huh? Yeah. Just, or maybe you just forgot about Mina, like, you know, this manga does <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> Nick, she's an important character. It's chapter 67. <laughs> <laughs> So hey, Nick, think about it. We got Jinchio to show back up and Duran Duran on this no, 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 no. Spoilers. This okay. is very important I'm that just, we don't get to that. I'm just saying there's only so many prominent female characters that can be in Shonen Jump at one time. <laughs> it's sort of like the anti uh like uh diversity act. Like <laughs> they're like, we can have women, but not too many. <laughs> like, let's pull that back a little bit. The limitization of token options. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Iharu starts to get angry now that he knows that like Kafka thought that they were going to hate him. But Reno takes the phone back and he says, hey, you should try and have more faith in all of us. I told you I had faith that you come back, right? 
I wasn't just speaking for myself. I was speaking for everyone. Uh, we cut away uh, as the phone call ends. Uh, and then we come back with Kikaru entering Kafka's quarters and saying, hey, it's time for afternoon joint training. We've been talking to people. And Kafka has his back turned to her. And he says, Ichikawa and Iharu called me a dummy. But they're right. And he turns to look at her. And he's been looking at all the texts that he's gotten from all the people in the third division, all saying stuff like, we're worried about you. I hope that you're safe. Uh, and, and thank you and everything. And Kafka's just got this weirdly soft expression on his face against the stiff outline of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just says, I've been a real dummy. <laughs> It's very cute. It's very, very whoopy of him. Very adorable. Like, I'm being real dumb. Like, okay, I get it. It is great, too, because it's a collection of characters. Like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? I think I remember you coming out of the bath with what's her name at one point. So I only know you as like, I think there's at least two girls in Division 3. So. Yeah, we haven't followed any of these people. A few of them could. Yeah. Yeah, a few of them could use the horror treatment, basically. That'd be great if, like, a couple of them weren't people. Like, there was one message in there that was just like, your Grubhub delivery was dropped <laughs> off at your doorstep. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope it's still okay. <laughs> oh, oh, my Xbox arrived. <laughs> oh, oh, someone bring it inside. Oh. <laughs> she's like i hope no one stole my video games she's like oh no they're gone they are definitely gone. <laughs> she, she's just so, out, like uh we end the chapter basically with key cards and i was like yeah you are an idiot yeah i know so <laughs> uh, it's a it's a sweet chapter that's yes. a little silly spy family mission 65 Yor is going out shopping. She asks Anya if she wants anything picked up for her. And Anya says, I want the crunch, crunch tea cakes that Master Anderson gave me. And of course, she has no idea what brand they are or anything. So Yor is like, okay, all right. Sure, I guess. Um, and Anya <laughs> says that Damien said that he would bring me an amazing cake, but he never did. He owes me two. What a cake cheat. And she quote unquote flashes back to Damien saying, I'll buy you an amazing cake and a narrative saying he never said this, which I don't remember her imagining that before. Maybe she just made it up in her head just now. I don't know. She's six. It's possible. Um, so Yor goes off on her shopping trip and she's like, well, I'm glad that Anya and Damien are getting lo- along. Uh, I know I do feel bad because she punched him when they first met. And that's kind of my fault for training her to punch people good. But maybe the fact that they fought allowed them to actually become closer. It did, weirdly enough. So um, so she's like, I've, I've got to do a better job as, as a mom. Uh, so, you know, one thing I can do is I can get those tea cakes she wants. Aww. Uh, so she heads out. She passes by some of their neighbors that routinely show up to, you know, be suspicious slash not suspicious at all of the family in alternating uh, turns. 
uh, outside their apartment building. And so she goes to ask them, like, oh, maybe they know where a good bakery would be if I can get this stuff. But then she imagines them saying, like, you don't know where to get the crunchiest tea cakes. You don't. You're no mother. There's something fishy going on here. And so she thinks that'll happen. So she just runs away instead. So I guess that this kind of thing runs in the foster family, basically. So um, and uh, so she goes off and yours just thinking to herself, like, how much longer is it going to take before I get good at acting normal? Which really hits me in the heart. It's like, oh, it's okay. Normal is just something people yeah. made up. It's all right. It's You're okay. Everyone likes you the way you are. It's fine. Uh, so she starts to get down on herself, and then she's like, "No, no, no, no! no. I'm, I'm just going to keep on going at it. I'm going to, I'm going to do do a good job." So she goes to a department store, thinking maybe they, maybe they'll have cakes here. Uh, and so she goes to this big store, and she's like, "I've God, I have no idea where to go, and I'm stressed out because I don't go to these types of places by myself." Uh, and she even starts to, you know, pull her like, you know, I'm an assassin. So everything is a killing uh, thing for me when someone offers her uh, eyeliner because she says piercing eyes are great. And she's like, oh, it's a concealed weapon for piercing people's eyeballs. I better not throw interest in that. Fair enough. Uh, as she is heading for the stairs, uh, there is uh, a woman who is carrying a bunch of packages going the other way. And uh, someone who is clearly her servant is also with her. And the packages start to tip. And then the woman starts to slip and is about to fall and is, oh, no. Uh, but your springs into action and catches her and does this, like, balancing with with swirling plates maneuver yeah. basically to catch all the packages uh very, very ad, agile it's, it's a neat uh, little uh image too it's very you know dramatically actiony and stuff uh and you're very coolly just turns to smile at the woman that uh, she caught as she was falling and says are you all right and uh, the woman grabs her hand is like oh wow that was incredible you must be some kind of athlete or are you from around here and your immediately goes you know on the defensive i'm just a housewife i'm just here to buy cake uh and uh she says oh well do you want to join me for for something you know since you know if you're just like you know here to go shopping and she's like no no, no no i gotta go buy cakes uh and as it turns out the one says oh well i've got a bunch of cakes here you can take as many as you want for helping me out um and uh you know your is taken out of guard by this the servant says hey you should accept her offer. You know, you're, you're very kind and, and, and everything. And look, if you accept my lady's offer, it'll be good for you. <laughs> uh, so it turns out she wanted to scout your for a volleyball match. Cause she's part of this all ladies, uh, Patriot society. And they do all sorts of community activities together, uh, including an all mothers volleyball league. Uh, and so, you know, yours like, uh, how did this happen? Why am I wearing a gym outfit and everything? Uh, and, uh, so it's, it was like, it's always, I, I, like, it has to be either like a thing you tolerate or a thing you love the trope of how am I wearing this? You're like, right. you put it on. Like yeah. what, what's the alternative? It manifested on you of its own free will. <laughs> 
<laughs> a volleyball uniform is one thing, but uh, a weird swimsuit <laughs> you put on in the dark. Yeah. It's another. Uh, so, but, you know, everyone's saying, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, all moms, volleyball teams, people do all this, this stuff all the time. So you're like, ah, if I play volleyball with them, it will be a normal mother thing to do. So, so yeah, she agrees to it. Uh, and of course it's, you're doing sports. So it goes about how you would expect it to. She's, she's too strong. She's too powerful. Uh, and yeah, so, but there's a bunch of different variations on her being like too ridiculous. Like, um, she jumps like 30 feet up in the air to return a serve. And then she doesn't know that there was a volleyball. So everyone, but everyone's like, you're so good. You're so physically gifted and everything. It's like, yeah, you're not, you're not following the rules, but Hey, just do it like this. And everyone's very welcoming towards her. It's very sweet because like this never happens to your, yeah. <laughs> I've been watching the spy family anime and it just reminded me, it's like, God, yours just like got all this bad luck. <laughs> she doesn't have friends. <laughs> Um, but you know, even though she's like not following the rules very well, everyone's encouraging towards her. They, and we get a montage of stuff. There's a great bit where she like smashes the balls into the net so hard that it bends the entire thing. Uh, there is a brief moment where she hits the ball out of the entire gym and up into space. Funny stuff. Uh, and then everyone goes out for tea afterwards. How, how sweet. Uh, and she feels bad because she says, oh, I was just I was just in the way. And everyone's like, that's fine. You were you were amazing. And everyone had a great uh, you look. You, you scare the other team really good. And it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, everyone's having a good time. And uh, the woman that you are initially helped says, hey, you know, you should order whatever you want. Um, and she says, you're not one of those girls who worries about fitting in, are you? And she's like, no, I'm not like that at all. Um. And then they ask about her personal life. You know, it's like, oh, are you a mother? And she's like, well, I'm I'm my daughter's stepmother. Uh, and I feel sometimes like as a mother and as a wife, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And of course, they're all like, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> which is it's great. Um, and uh, they say, yeah, it can be really stressful and not knowing what to do. Uh, that's why we get together like this so that we can talk and share experiences and stuff. And Yor just has this moment where she says to herself, so not knowing what to do is normal. And I have to think to myself, I was like, Yor's like 30, isn't she? Yeah. It's like she's just, she's, she's right at that age where she, she's where people learn that. <laughs> she's just starting to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the woman who, uh, you know, she helped before is like, you should come hang out with us more. You should come, you know, hang out with the society. It's I know it's called the Lady Patriot Society, but it's not nearly as stuffy as it smell as it sounds. And you're like, yeah, this sounds great. I'm not going to waste this opportunity. Uh, and then one of the other mothers turns to uh, the woman who is kind of their ringleader as it's turning out. And she says, you won't believe this, Belinda. Our little one got another tinnitus bolt. And you says, oh, your child goes to Eden Academy. And they're like, oh, yours does too? Uh, what year is she in? Oh, first grade. And they realize like, oh, you and Melinda have kids in the same year. And Melinda starts to go, wait, Forger. Oh, you're Anya's mother. I'm Melinda. Melinda Desmond. Bom, 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 <laughs> bom, bom, bom. Which took this chapter from sweet and nice to, oh, shit, <laughs> one page. 
it's a very cool little revelation at the end. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of look at her and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> she definitely seems like she could be Damien's mother. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a uh, really, uh, really good stuff. I like, you know, you're just getting stuff to do in general, but also this very encouraging setup for her and uh, suddenly being tied into potentially having a greater role in the big operation. Uh, so we'll see what becomes of this. Yeah, I think this was some very good stuff all around. Yeah, good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, let's talk about Eaton Zero, <laughs> Chapter 201. Melt, this week we only have one chapter to talk about, not six or whatever. What is that, what is that rabbit plushie supposed to be doing? Like, that face is like... I wouldn't trust that face. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I wasn't sure who was on the cover of this. I think it's holy, but all, every woman in this series looks the same, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, we open back in Ziggy's well, you lab. Haven't, you haven't, you've been given all these references by Hero, but you're still not able to determine which girl is which based on their bust. Yeah. <laughs> like, um. So here, we're back in Ziggy's laboratory where he collects all of his moms. It's not a sex thing. <laughs> it's not a sex thing. To be very, very clear. Uh, and they, uh, Weiss, Homer, and uh, Rebecca have to have a conversation about the fact that all of their moms are there. Uh, and they're like, I didn't expect to see my mom. You know, Weiss is like, this is crazy that she was like put in front of me. Rebecca's like, I don't even remember my parents. And now suddenly she's right in front of me and she's some archbishop. This makes no sense. They're like, but she's alive. Like, we have to save her. And they're like, no, we can't do that. We, we, we there's so many people we have to do and like to save here. And Happy's like, they're all dead. But Rebecca's like, but Wise and Homora's mother, Jin and Cleans too. And they're like, fuck Laguna, I guess. And they're like, yeah, like Wise is like, look, ideally, I would like to bury her on Norma, you know. So Omar's like, all right, we'll collect our moms then. And Rebecca's like, ah, God, I don't really know what to do. And Omar like makes her snap at her. She's like, we don't have time for this shit. We are in the middle of a battle. So, you know, get your shit together, basically. Rebecca's like, okay, uh, all right. We don't want to wake her up, but let's use the warrior maid, recover as many as possible, take him to Eden Zero, and then I can hear what my mother has to say after the battle. And then, I guess in a moment of, like, strong conviction, we get a shot of her foot, and don't worry, Hero, I believe feet are hard to draw, too. It's totally understandable that Rebecca has kind of some nasty toes. Uh, She's like, as soon as we're all ready, I will begin Planet Eater. And it's just like, sure. Okay. It, they they do have a bit of a like the D and D party like has been presented a moral quandary and they solve it in a way that is has the, has the paint of it of the moral yeah. thing to do but is really actually pretty pragmatic. It's <laughs> that is the best way to place that. I've never I would not have come up with that myself, but that is the exact answer. This is the D and D party solution to this problem. We're like, well, we'll just grab. But we'll do a thing that makes us not look like complete dicks, but we will still do the things so that we can do exactly what we wanted to anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we cut back to the Eden's one or the Eden zero, and Hermit's back, and she's just like, "What's going on?" They're like, "Hey, we cleared all the robot. It's just dead end crow that's left, basically." But uh, we need to charge this cannon because apparently uh, Dead End Crow absorbs energy. And I'm like, all right, well, 
what if we just shot him with bullets? And like, no, his armor's too thick. So we're going to use the Eden Zero's main cannon, which fires highly pressurized ether, which is energy rounds. And no one quite explains how, I guess the principle's (laughs) like, he'll suck up so much energy, he'll explode, or why? Spend so much time explaining this without actually saying why it will work <laughs> it's so weird i thought at first i was like all right well maybe energy and ether are supposed to be different but then clean firmly summarizes with like in other words it fires energy rounds and i'm like all right then i have no idea well what you know clean is the science officer of the eden zero didn't yeah. you know that <laughs> i thought she was the the wings of the eden zero. no she's she she knows all the science things look ah. at how confident and intelligent she sounds she looks it's, uh, does that mean I'm the science master of weekly longer recap? If I just there you come go. With sure. Science facts? sure. You, 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 you cover it. So sure. There we go. I'm the science officer now. Uh, Hamora is just, or not Hamora. Holy. I'm sorry. How could I get <clears> the <throat> two of them? Holy's like. Oh, it, those are, those were Holy's boobs. There we go. Yeah. See? <laughs> right there. Holy's like, no, it'll definitely work. If you fire the Eden Zero's main cannon at his core, we will destroy it. They're like, Where's his core? She's like, I'm about to find it. And she uses her lightning ether and he's like absorbing it. And she watches where it gets traveled to. And she's like, I'm seeing the flow of his ether. I found it. And, you know, Dead End Crow is just like, oh, you're a fly. I don't know if he talks like that, but I'm just going to assume he talks like an idiot. Because what other personality trait does this character have at this point? None of them. He's big. (laughs) And we all know. From fairy tale, that if a character gets really, really big, <laughs> that means possible. that they're the strongest mage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Holy eventually activates her special ether gear, melt melts a hole after she finds the core, and like boom, now there's a direct hole into it. They're like we're gonna fire hundred percent. Let's go, and they're like get out of the way, Holy. And Holy's like I'm on my way. And she's gonna get stabbed by a whole bunch of tendrils. And it's like no, Holy. No. Like, and then she gets absorbed into Dead End Crow, who's just like not Ugh. Holy. Oh, anyone but Holy, yeah. the person we just made friends with. <sighs> That's a shame. Uh, she's been <laughs> absorbed, and she, as she's being absorbed, is just like take me with him, fire the cannon. And Hermit's like, no, Shiki would never allow us to do it. You're technically a member of our crew. I mean, she is right. Yes. The, the, she she is actually this is, correct. This is actu- <laughs> the factual statement at this point. Cut to 20,000 years later. I had forgotten that they did this. <laughs> like <laughs> Last week. Um, robot people are like, there's a man and a woman. The woman is dead. What do we do? And they're like, we record our findings. And I've seen this scene from Lost. Uh, everyone thinks it's one thing. It turns out it's not actually as interesting. They eventually had to add some lore to it in like season five to kind of explain some stuff. Um, but, you know, it still it still works well enough. Um, it just, you know, how we got there is different. Uh, but they're just like, what would a species that one exi- went extinct 20,000 years ago and the other person interrupts him like, our job is to f- find out. Now returning to the base on the planet Eden. Bum, 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 bum. I don't know that we're getting these scenes to be like, what happens? Uh, but I, when you don't have the enthusiasm for the series in general, it, it, it's just kind of like, 
what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that really is a great way to explain. We're just like, what the fuck's you know what? Whatever. Whatever. I don't whatever. Yeah, so I have nothing to say about that. And and uh the entire thing with like, oh no, it's holy dead. I don't care. Like she, she's not you've been given no reason to care for her. Yeah, I was gonna say she's not gonna be dead because we still don't know anything no. about her character at this point. Like we're gonna get her backstory or something. But it's still it's just like a thing. I don't know. It's a thing that happened. Nothing nothing egregiously bad happened this chapter in the same way we've had like kind of crazy moments the past like three weeks or, or whatever how many chapters we had to discuss. But it's still just like a thing that happens. You're yeah. like whatever. All right, let's move on to Akane Banashi, story 23, lol. So, Akane... I thought it was lol for a moment. I was like... Lol. Uh, Akane takes the stage. Uh, Garika uh, observes like, oh, okay, okay, good. She's She looks like she's not nervous. Uh, and uh, as Akane takes the stage, uh, he also is, you know, thinking about the stuff that uh, had been brought up in the previous chapter. Like, all right, there's no tension in the room. Everyone is just like, all right, this, the performances have peaked. There's not really going to be much worth paying attention to. So how's it kind of going to react to that? So she starts to do her introduction and she says, you know, in a world where lies and falsehoods abound, the preciousness of children is universal truth. Or so they say. They also say that you won't understand that until you've had a child to cherish for yourself. Uh, and she gets into her performance of Jugemu, which begins with the parents discussing going to get their child uh, named at a naming ceremony. Uh, and she's go- as she goes back and forth, she's just, you know, very calmly getting, getting through it. Uh, and it's, she's not doing, you know, very sharp performance. It's just, you know, conversation between the two of them. And, you know, she hits the jokes. And as it's going on and on, uh, I'm a remix uh, Rockago guy says, it's kind of bland. I mean, she's, you know, talking you know, at a good pace with good tempo, but she had everyone murmuring over her skills before she had even gotten to the tongue twister yesterday. And today it's different. So she must have looked at the audience and realized she wasn't going to win. Uh, I don't know why she's just given up, though. Um, But Hikaru is watching as well. And she thinks, I mean, maybe she has gotten lax since the preliminaries. But I don't know. Because she remembers what Akane had said, which was that, you know, she was not going to shame her master's name. She's like, she's not going to just have stopped trying. Uh, And as Akane continues into the performance, uh, you know, She's, you know, getting to the point where the father goes to see uh, the monk in order to get the baby named. And the magazine writer says, like, she's being really, really low key. But then he looks at the other writers come with him and she's kind of, you know, stickering at, at the jokes. And so he says, like, oh, you're enjoying yourself. And uh, he says, it's this like, you know, more your style. And she says, well. It's kind of like if I listen to something in the background while I'm working, you know, you can just let your mind wander and still enjoy it. It's an easy thing to listen to. So yeah, he thinks it's, of, it's Akane, uh, Akane's lo-fi hip hop beats to study slash Rakugo to. Akane cast. Yeah. yeah. 
so he thinks about this is like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess that kind of makes sense. She realized that there were these two powerhouse performances ahead of her and she decided the audience could use a little bit of a break. So the light touch does kind of feel right. And he looks behind him and he sees that all the audience has kind of relaxed into it and they're paying attention. So she didn't force everyone to pay attention. She kind of drew them into it. And Garika is watching this and he's like, yeah, you know, this is the most important thing to hold the audience's attention. You can't just push and push and push. You need to have an approach that matches the other side's needs. And he compares this in his head to a girl having two suitors, one who's like shoving a confession letter in her face and another who just kind of gives her a milk when she's stressed out. Aww. I was like, Aww. uh, so the entire atmosphere has really kind of changed. Uh, and everyone has, has realized this and even her teachers like, Oh, I get it. You know, everyone's been feeling the nerves of competition getting fired up. And so she came by to give them a cooler tone. And it's like, you know, she's come by with fans to help the audience out. Uh, and uh, so um, her teacher's like, oh, wow. Yeah. So she's really good at adapting on the fly. And uh, Koguru says, no, I didn't say that. She is just meeting the audience's needs. She's doing she's doing basic stuff. <laughs> but she's, he says, like, this is Kipataraki which I really appreciate that we came back to this. Uh, you know, it wasn't just one lesson that Akai learned and then it's like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. She is still keeping the lesson that her, that her other senpai has taught her. Uh, but this has just kind of gotten her to the starting line, basically, as uh, Kogaru says, like, all right, it, this is it now. Uh, is, is she going to flame out? Is this going to pay off? Now let's see what she's got. And that's the chapter we end on. It's this very much the calm before the storm, it feels like. But uh, it was nice to have this kind of subversion of expectations for Akane and show like there's not just going to be her one trick that will hopefully give her the big performance. It's a demonstration of like the different things she has learned. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Speaking of cooling off, Aliens Area. Number eight, it's so hot. <laughs> um, unexpectedly, Tatsumi uh, is in a rice paddy somewhere. Uh, and he's kind of writing a letter to his siblings, I guess. I don't know. Um, but uh, he kind of recaps how he got to this position. Uh, just, you know, like he left to go to work. Uh, he was given a uh, box lunch by his little brother. Uh, his little sister all told him, oh, be careful at work. Uh, he went to the department, uh, arrived at Chiraku's desk, and Chiraku was uh, sleeping while typing, I guess. Uh, and then Tatsumi's like, hey, wake up, Chiraku. And Chiraku's like, why should I wake up? Because you were asleep. Huh? Why are you saying you were awake? And some glasses guy comes by and says, innocent until proven guilty is a fundamental principle of justice. Without hard evidence, you've got nothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> then he says, Shiraku's maps are extra legal because they take advantage of a loophole in the rules. This is your first day of training. What is he talking about? <laughs> 
Talk normal. No, well, he's the cryptic one, Nick. All right. Everyone in this group has their own distinct character. Shaku's the weird one. He's the nerdy one. She's the girl one. And that's tough guy, I guess. I don't yeah. know. We'll find oh, out. Sure, sure. Um, So some of uh, Tatsumi's other, you know, senpai in the forest come over and they're like, oh, new recruit. You know what that means? And they take him out to the rice paddy and Miwa, the glasses guy, says that new recruits must engage in practical training as a form of initiation, which means attending to site supervisor duties. Today, we're addressing a level 10 incident. Multiple civilians have reported seeing an unknown life form in this field, and the lab took samples and determined it to be of extraterrestrial origin. Foreign Affairs 5 is familiar with the species. A single organism poses no threat. But this excrement of many has a negative effect on plant life, and it may be multiplying, so you have to find its nest. And Tatsumi says, okay, but what about you guys? No, this is a job for new recruits, so we're going to observe you. And they're very hot, so they you know, are fanning themselves off, and they walk away while they leave Tatsumi in the rice paddy to do this. So I thought instinctively when this happened, so this is bullshit, right? Like there's yeah. no thing for him to find. Right? Yeah. No. There is a thing for him to find. And they just make him do it. Yeah. All right. And they, because, you know, he walks off and he's like, all right, you guys go rest in the shade. I'll do my job. And, well, you know, they're looking at each other and they say, do you feel sorry for him? Nah. We did it when we were new, too. As in, like, oh, so they also had to go on a snipe hunt. No, they just had to, I guess, handle a shitty mission that was boring and, and hard. I guess everyone has to do their kind of crappy mission at the start, you know, and then then you get the good ones. There's all these implications that they drop and then they never say the like, like, no, no, it was not anything. And they don't react with surprise when he does find something. I'm so uh, eventually, like, as they're watching Tatsumi, two of them kind of feel bad for him. So they go out to the into the rice paddy and they're like, hey, here, ha- ha- have a ha- have a popsicle thing. Um, and uh uh, so and eventually they end up actually helping out uh, Tatsumi when when they're searching. Uh, one, of the, one of them is like, let's put a bet on who's going to find it. And Tatsumi says, no, that's against the law because he's a goody two shoes. So um, and they keep on going in. And eventually Miwa comes over and says, oh, yeah, the police uh, have uh, gotten sightings of a suspected alien presence upstream. Um, so. They go and they uh, go talk to uh, uh, an alien. Um, and he says, there's a lot of rain here. I like life here. <laughs> Will you not punish me too hard? And uh, Tatsumi gets ready to fight. But uh, they look at him and they're like, why are, you, why are you taking a fighting stance? Why are you doing this? And Shiraku asks the alien, so are you growing something here? He says, yeah, uh, I'm cultivating because my departed wife used to use it for sashimi. And Shiraki realizes, oh, the poop. Here. And then they go over his documents. They're like, okay, yeah, um, I've checked with all this stuff. Yeah, I was like, yeah, look, you're going to get a citation, but just just have your stuff in order next time. And that's just kind of it. And Tatsumi's like, oh. Things are being resolved peacefully. And Taraka says, yeah, actually, most aliens that come here are actually very reasonable and cool. You don't actually have to fight all of them, which 
I mean, I do like that. It's like, okay, good. It's not just that they're going to go and punch everything in the face. They're like an actual... It is an important (laughs) distinction that if you are going to place some kind of law enforcement agency as the protagonist character of your work of fiction, that their response to every single issue is not to engage with violence. You know, if there must be that character, it's nice to see that sometimes they realize problems can be solved by being human and not by being uh, weapons of violence. Um, I'm not sure it's best call for a Shonen Jump battle manga series where I'm like, you read the entire chapter and then you get to the end of it and you're like, so I'm sorry, what was this chapter about? Yes. <laughs> like digging for poop? <laughs> like, what was the point? There is, I mean, like, I do think the chapter ends on a nice note at the end because Tatsumi comes back home. He's got a couple of bags full of vegetables that he uses to prepare dinner for his siblings. And he makes note like, oh, yeah, I got these vegetables from a farmer when I was at work today. So I was like, oh, stuff resolved really nicely. Tatsumi was able to do something nice for his family because he had this nice, peaceful interaction with this alien. It's nice that he's been introduced to this side of his job. Uh, but like I was saying before, all the stuff that kind of leads into this moment does kind of indicate it's like, oh, there's this unpleasant thing that he has to do where, which goes nowhere. And they never say it's like, oh no, we were deliberately wasting your time or anything. And also the way that they join in on it indicates that no, 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 there is actually something for them to find. Otherwise, why would they bother helping him to look for something that doesn't exist? So it's like, all right. So they're just doing a really boring thing in a really inefficient manner <laughs> to find this. It's, it's definitely like one of those things where you're like, I mean, I suppose this, it, this is technically, this is technically an idea. Uh, it's just not the most interesting. Like, I, I know I've been talking before about like, oh, ultimately what I really want is like for there to be some, you know, interesting building of these characters and give us more of the lead character like that's been my complaint for a little while now but it 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 is i don't know if this is the right way to deliver it like if this was meant to be a different kind of series sure but this is definitely a battle series every other chapter has been a battle series so to do a chapter that's just kind of like oh sometimes these things don't end in violence you're like great message you are going to get canceled very soon at this rate though yeah i i mean if like if you're not going to do that then i feel like there's got to be more to it like despite the fact that we got more involvement from the other members of shiraku's team i still don't feel like we know them any better uh even miwa who was just like oh he's you know kind of like a strict guy who tells you not to assume things it's like all right that's not much though so yeah Okay, let's move over to Blue Box. Let's do this. Chapter number 62. What did you say? Uh, so last time, uh, Taiki went to go and wait for Jinatsu for them to watch the band performance together. He thought she wasn't going to show up, but she did. Uh, but she just showed up late and she's still wearing her maid outfit uh, with a jacket over it. Uh, and uh, he's still kind of like surprised when she shows up at, at the start of this chapter. Uh, and as they, they go to join the crowd, Taiki just thinks, oh, I, I wasn't imagining things, which 
it's such a teenage boy thing to say. So, oh, I can't believe that I I must have just imagined that the girl that I like asked me to go and do something together. Is like, no, no, it's it's, it's very it's cute. a very teenage boy. Yeah, it's it's a very cute thing to be like. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Um. So Chinatsu starts, you know, like immediately enjoying the performance, and Taiki turns to her and says, "Hey, it's my first concert. This is kind of cool." Uh, and Shinatsu starts to say something back, and Taiki's like, "Uh oh, uh, she can't hear me over over the noise," and she like cups her ear, uh, and like holds up a finger and says, "Like, hey, you know, d- just say it one more time." Uh, so Taiki tries to just leans in and goes, "Yeah, it's pretty cool," and she's she's like, "Yeah, yeah," and Taiki goes, "Yeah," she said, "Yeah." <laughs> We're so connecting. <laughs> um, so Taiki starts to kind of be like, maybe I'm just like overthinking this. Basically, it's like, yes, the answer is yes, Taiki. You're always overthinking everything. I was going to say, you're a teenage boy <laughs> in a new relationship. You have overthought everything in every step of this. Just calm down. Um, but there's like a break between songs. So very brief that they can like hear each other a little better because, you know, Chinatsu says, oh, it's this song. And Taiki's like, oh, do you like it? And Chinatsu says, oh, yeah, well, Karen's a real fan of this song. She says she doesn't do it after she fights with Haru, <laughs> which is like a little bit personal. I was like, mm, this is like one level of detail you probably could have kept to yourself. <laughs> what do they fight about? Nothing. Um. <laughs> uh, Taiki goes between several expressions and then he just goes like, hey, uh, Chinatsu, why did you invite me here today? And Chinatsu's looking at him like, huh? So Taiki again realizes like, oh, I guess she she can't hear me. Maybe, maybe you know, she didn't uh, have anyone else to go with her because Karen did want to go to that fashion show and stuff. Um, but Chinatsu gets kind of uh this weird look on her face and then she turns to taiki while he's like decided to give up on it and she starts to give an answer but taiki can't really hear her now and shinatsu leans in to like just you know we're in a crowd uh, i'm gonna yell it in your ear to say something but the band really starts to pick up and plays a really hard note over what she says. So Taiki's just like, what? So she gives up for real this time. Uh, and Taiki tries to do the same thing she did before. Like, oh, I'll cut my ear and hold it. And then she's just like, no, no, we're not doing that right now. Look, let's just enjoy the show. And so Taiki's like, now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. You could have waited. You could have waited, Taiki. You could have just waited until there was no noise and then asked the important question. And she would have probably actually given you an answer. But nope. So now she's not going to. Um, they leave it after the performance and Taiki tries to say, it's like, oh, and uh, what were you, you going to say earlier? And she's just like, hey, your, your play starts at 3.30, right? Yeah, yeah, it starts at 3.30. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch it. Um, and Taiki says... Okay, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be performing in it. And Shinatsu very rightfully points out, like, I mean, you worked hard on the preparations to make it all happen, so it is, you know, yeah, I'm going to support you, even though if you're not going to be on stage. 
which I wish more people would realize because it would make so many theater kids in the world happier to that if they show that kind of appreciation for it. Yeah. Uh, so Jiatsu heads off on her own way. Taiki waves goodbye. And then after he waves goodbye, he immediately transitions into face palming, which is a good reaction because yes, you did kind of fuck up. Um, but he's not even face palming for that. He's face palming because he's happy. And he like prances away like, I went to see a concert with Jinatsu Senpai. Do, 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 do. <laughs> he comes to uh oh gosh, what's his name? Nishida, uh the senpai on the volleyball team that I think is supposed to be the new captain. Who's running a fortune telling sand? <laughs> And so he's like, hey! And Taiki's like, all right, well, good luck with that. I'm just gonna... <laughs> nope, not going to be, not going to help you out for moral support. Um, So he's like, come on, come on. I've got no one else in front of me. And uh, hey, my class is doing a stamp rally. I'm one of the stations. Get you a stamp. You can have a prize if you participate. Come on. Let me tell your fortune. Do it. Uh, so Taiki sits down. And then Nishida goes, you know, and puts his hands over the crystal ball. And of course, immediately, big dramatic. In mere moments, a tremendous ordeal shall befall you. Uh, and some people that I swear to God, Nishida must have this as part of his act. They come up to him and are like, I just did exactly as I said, and I found my wallet, and I heard from my ex, and my estranged brothers. Like, he must have, like, these people must be in on this. I don't believe he's actually this good. Um, but of course, Taiki, you know, is left to think about this because, like, okay, what the hell is he thinking? No, he's he's wrong. There's no way that he's actually accurate. And anyway, it's really vague too. Uh, but he heads into the green room uh, for his class of performance, <laughs> and there's this, this. It just comes across the very loud announcement of Minami Niyama's in the hospital. Our prince is in the hospital. Oh, man. Yeah, Class 3D was holding a Ninja Warrior obstacle course. <laughs> and she hurt her leg. It's something so absurd. Because, like, we all kind of knew this was going to happen. Like, oh, yeah. of course, Taiki was going to have to play the prince in this thing because that's how you get you get the romantic tension of, like, oh, but your other girl is the, the Snow White or whatever, Sleeping Beauty. So how do we get there? And I, I was almost a little annoyed when we got there because I'm like, God, this, this is so, like the execution's fine, but this is such a trope at this point. But I do love them being like, oh, it's only because the the last prince was injured participating in a ninja warrior obstacle course. Trademark. <laughs> like it could have only been better if they were like. There was a little boy in the road and she jumped out and got hit by a truck and I think she's been isekai'd into a new world. <laughs> uh so of course they have a brief little moment of like well who's gonna play the prince then oh well unfortunately she doesn't have too many lines but who's available everyone's out enjoying the festival and the rest of us are occupied as actors or being the stage crew and of course they all look at taiki who's just coming through the door and they there is just this moment where everyone goes ah and he goes huh and then they all go ah and huh again <laughs> Like he doesn't, yeah. I'm not sure he doesn't actually realize what's going on, or if he's just like not believing it that this is going to happen. But it is because, of course, it is. Um, or we'll get a subversion joke in the next chapter. We'll see. 
so yeah that's it for for blue blocks this week um yeah it was it was fine it was it as was it usually cute, is yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say it was a cute little series i do i do enjoy kind of the frustration you feel in the moment of just like the like when the loud concert's going on like they're both trying to talk to each other and she seems to work up the nerve to actually say something kind of uh uh vulnerable or something like that and yeah like, oh i couldn't hear you say it again like no i don't know it's it's effective like it's frustrating in a way where i'm like i wanted to see these two kids like talk fucking heart to heart and see what happens you know it's good stuff but hey speaking of good talk- stuff <laughs> we've talked about the worst let's get to the blurst all right chapter 32 because we're kicking it up into a new gear nick it's the ginchio gear here we go we're introduced to some of the mononoke that our heroes are going to be fighting um one of them's all like, oh, prostrate yourselves before me. The other one's like, I'm the big guy. And they talk over each other. That's their thing. <laughs> um, the most generic of the of the important uh, samurai says, we have a saying, he who barks loudest is the weakest. Which okay. is horseshit. The loudest member of your group was the strongest. <laughs> it was true. specifically his personality trait. Is I he never liked Kibatatake. <laughs> he was loud and bombastic and the strongest. It was his only character trait. So that was your group same. Uh, so the girls try and attack one of the Mononoke who goes, Ah! Uh, and um, uh, a water pillar erupts around them, um, and uh, they dive into the water to attack. Because um, well, this is the pervert Mononoke. There's there's, ah! several, there's several character personality traits: polite Mononoke, strong Mononoke, pervert Mononoke, and I don't know, tiny fuckface Mononoke. This is pervert Mononoke. He just likes girls. Who apparently has an asphyxiation fetish, which I can't believe that Dorondororon got to before Eden Zero did. Like that's uh, if we go back, I think we could probably find some. Luvia was involved mm. in a lot of fights. So. Oh, that's a good point. I'm sure I have, have to dig back into into the smut archive of Fairy Tale, which is <laughs> what's the difference between there's that its and own fairy library, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. There should be like an account where I could just type fetish into fairy tale and it pulls up with ones of just like asphyxiation yeah. stuck in mud and like it just populates with with entries pages i can go to and let's see if this comes up nick don't type it into google your <laughs> your recommendations will be warped forever no no it doesn't look like there actually uh, is uh, something here it's like oh Eh, I'll look for it later. I'll okay, so type is fairy tale horny. <laughs> says no. Why is that? Necessary? Oh, I know. It says is criminally horny. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so yeah, um, that they like explode the water, I guess, uh, and um, um, they're gonna fight this water guy. Yep, uh, generic-looking black-haired dude. Uh, surges with uh, power as he squares off against loud guy and informal guy and says for the first time in a while I slept really well so I'm in good shape 
uh, they're going to attack him. Uh, and he's like, oh, man, these guys are powerful. And then Genshiro arrives with no warning. No fanfare. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, we haven't seen her. So inevitably, when Jinshio shows back up, it's going to be a big, cool hero moment. And then she shows up, tries to show off her new powers, and they're like, oh, I guess that's all right, but this dude's stronger. You're just like, all He's right. He's not that strong. She's just not very powerful. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever, man, I guess. So, uh, and Yujin uh, is also Genshio's instructor, uh, I guess. Uh, and, uh, so she's like, I'm going to support you, uh, Eugene, uh, cause these guys are really powerful and you need to charge up to beat them, right? That's your thing. You, you do the special beam cannon holding still while charging up thing. Uh, and, uh, Eugene tries to say, like, oh, but they're different from the Monoke we fought till now. And so she says, oh, so you mean if I perform well here, I'm definitely going to get a promotion. Hey, it's Kenshiho and her thing where she's very selfish or is she? So... Uh, she engages the enemies while Eugen's, uh, goes to power up. And so she uses her super fast attacks, doesn't cause a lot of, uh, damage with it, but she's like, look, I know these guys are stronger than me, but I'm faster than anyone. And so she's serving as a good distraction while Eugen is powering up and powering up and powering up and powering up. Uh, Kinchio is getting attacked. She gets a scratch on her cheek and she's like, all right. I mean, I got, took a little bit of damage just from the air pressure of his attack. But this is nothing. To, this this isn't going to stop me. I'm getting that promotion. Flashback. And uh, we see Genchio as a kid talking to Eugen, who is uh, her uncle. And uh, Genchio says, you know, Eugen is talking with her and Eugen's like, I just want like a quiet life where I just like grow vegetables and, and, and cook. And, and Genchio is just thinks like, look, he's he's gentle. He's got a natural gift for a sword, so he was forced onto this path and was given all these assignments. And because he's such a good guy, he took on all the help that he needed to, to give. And I've always been afraid that he's just going to die of exhaustion. And I told him he should quit, but he would always just laugh it off because he can't refuse people who need his help. So I decided if nobody would stop him, if Eugene won't stop himself, I'd make him stop. I'm going to climb to the top rung of the ladder and I'm going to fire Eugene. Whoa. Can you what imagine if we'd gotten motivation. this 25 chapters ago? <laughs> this is like actually good. Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's a decent motivation for in like the very kind of weird, like off center personality she has where it's tough to really explain it but you're like all right in her weird way this is kind of like an interesting motivation i will be the best so that this person i look up to can finally rest because they are so overworked and everything like that like i get it uh and in jinjio's way of never being able to fully express emotions or seem like she has a character trait uh it's a nice little detail but again you're just like why now? Like, why bring her? Like, I know why, because the series is probably ending very soon and we need to get things done. But like, just so fucking like, cool. This was on my checklist to do kind of moment of like, all right, now we know what Jinchia was all about. You're welcome. Yeah. 
it's it's kind of a shame. I feel like it's like all right, it's not the greatest character backstory I've ever heard, but it is a character motivation, it which is. it absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, but we cut away from there. Uh, glasses lieutenant guy is fighting skull face Mononoke and little dress ish. No, it's not a dress. It's just like it's it's a gi, but it's like polka dotted uh, Mononoke. Uh, and they're evading attacks, and uh, Polka Dot Monoke can apparently read the movements of their opponents. Um, blonde Monoke, other blonde, not glasses, but other blonde samurai, uh, is there too. Uh, and he says that the Polka Dot Monoke is uh, giving him the creeps. So they say, Punish him, gods! And the blonde guy says, Go ahead and try. I'll slay you and your gods. Okay, uh, and uh, Skullface guy's like, oh man, you've got so much good supernatural energy. It'll be great to partake in such a delicacy again. And they're like, again? Yes, there was another samurai officer like you whose energy was scrumptious. The memory makes my mouth water. He was so fabulous. They were able to prevent my right arm from growing back even. Yeah, because he's got one arm now. So, hey, Kibataka, he did a thing. He cut off one arm of one of these guys. Ooh, whatever. Uh, glasses samurai gets pissed off. So blonde samurai kicks him in the back. And uh, is like, why did you do that? He's, well, you looked like you were going to lose control. And also, Mr. Kitsabatake would have done the same thing, too. And Glasses, his Glasses Samurai says, you're right. Thanks. And they're all like, we're going to defend everyone. Yeah. Yep. It's such Oh, you're like, oh, my God, like. I don't know what would have possibly had to have happened to make me give a shit about these characters, even if the series wasn't getting canceled so quickly. Like, oh god, I hope it's getting canceled. Um, like, because I think of like Tahashira or whatever from from Demon Slayer. Just like, I don't know, man. Like, there were some pretty long arcs that made me slowly start to care about those characters one after the other, and I'm like, this series is such anti hype in every moment. I'm like, I don't know what they would have had to have done to get me to be like. Fuck yeah, dude. Glasses, dudes. Fucking. He's going to be showing off, squaring off against fucking Strong Mononoke. This is fucking. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just don't know. Yep. And it's all out the other ear now. It's gone. I'm done. It's gone yeah. forever. Yeah. All right, Quinn, I have a puzzle for you. <gasps> okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Paul's perfect protege partnered with positive patronizer positive patronizer paul's protege paul's perfect protege Protégé. partnered with positive patronizer perfect protege okay mm-hmm. there's a couple different pauls this could be paul as in like you know triple h it could be paul sure, sure. as in paul london in which case this could be <laughs> Well, based off your laugh, I'm assuming it's probably not. I was like, could be Spanky. That's. <laughs> I didn't know that they were ever partnered up. So Brian Kendrick and Paul London, weren't they? Uh, yeah, but not protege. I okay. should say okay. they were. They were attack partners. You're correct. All yes. Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to pull myself back to Triple H then. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Triple H protege. You're definitely closer with Triple H than you would be. Is, it, tri- is, is, it, is it Triple H? No, it's not. Okay, so it's not another Paul. Paul Birchall? No. <laughs> Damn. Paul. Oh, God, what was his name? Paul Orndor- Orndorf? No. Do you want me to tell you which Paul it is? Do you want me to just tell you which Paul it is? I'm going to see how many Pauls I can name. Paul Bearer. No. Paul. There's a lot of Pauls in wrestling. I forgot. Hold on. Wrestler Paul. It's not Paul London. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) It was another Paul. There's so many Pauls in wrestling. Is it? We done Paul Orndorff. Is I could it do Paul a... Ellering. No, I could do a PPPPPP, <laughs> and it would just be different Pauls. It turns out. Um, is it Paul? Is it Paul Heyman? Yes. Okay, there we go. All right. Wait, hold on. Can't go back. Is it Pauls? Is it the Big Show Paul? Right? No. <laughs> All right, Paul Heyman. Paul's um, perfect protege. All right. Partnered with oh, Positive Pacer. Okay. Curtis Axel would have been his positive protege. Positive speaker, Bo Dallas. Yeah. Who it, and together they are. The beast the B team. That's right. There we go. Alright, we got it. <laughs> that, like now that that reference is about five years old that is a little bit obscure it was it was t- i had to figure out which paul it was and then then it, then it all kind of came together i just i don't think that people under- will understand that roughly this time five years ago one of the most overact in all of wwe was just a joke tag team between two goobers who called themselves the b team because they thought it meant good th- stuff like the best and they was just because they were a couple of goobers. That is, I, I believe firmly just the way wrestling should be that like, there should always be a really over tag team. And then there should be a really over tag team. Who's over because everyone's like, these guys they make me laugh. Yeah. There always needs to be a Miz and Sandow or, um, Oh God. Who was the other one? Brizongo. Brizongo or, uh, Santino, Santino Morella, and whoever he got tied whoever, to. Whoever, yeah. Uh, team Hell No. Like, there always just needs to be a team that's over because people, it, it, it makes the chuckles. Yeah. All right, let's talk about. Chapter 42 Confession and Beatdown. Uh, we get a, uh, a part two of the uh, cover from last week, or, you know, Rin was in the one chair looking at the empty one. Now it's uh, Rajro looking at the empty chair. So, uh, so we've just gotten that performance from Rin, and Fanta has watched it, and uh, he doesn't look happy. He's pretty pissed. And yeah, he's like, yeah, uh, he's, he's got no intention of winning, right? And Sorachik is also watching and says, yeah, uh, he said he wants to regain his pride and then quit. It's, so it's very crazy because in that moment you see Fanta sitting on a chair and you realize Maloli is like not sitting on his lap, but sitting basically on his knee so that she can just stare at Maloli 
whose fucking Stepford sister or Stepford wife staring like dead eyed straight in yep. front of her. Just it's it's such a like kind of hilariously creepy moment. <laughs> Uh, so Fanta's like, just like, get off me. And, and, and she's, and he, he, there's stuff going on. Cause Fanta's being an asshole. He's like, eh, what a loser. He says it with a smile on his face. And in between all this. Yeah. Uh, Mimin is saying, like, Meloli, you're so cute. Look at me. And they keep on having a conversation while ignoring her. Um, Sora Chica uh is asked if he can go and sit next to lucky uh and there's just like all just being weird siblings um and and yeah uh Sorachika does go and to talk to lucky uh and uh he says you know it's been a while and lucky's confused at first and he's like yeah i guess it's been a little while since you know we had the meeting for the teams and he says no 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 it's really been a while i missed you at the piano duet so i thought i might not see you but thank goodness. And uh, there's just sword cheek is just being kind of weird right now. And uh, we haven't really delved into what goes on with them yet. So it's just kind of off putting for now. We cut outside the meeting room where Furusu is just sitting by herself in a hallway. And she's thinking about Lucky and how uh, he went through this weird metamorphosis and he's acting differently now. And she thinks to herself, you know, if the old lucky were in the situation to be worried about him, but I don't really feel that way now. And she admits to herself, like, I mean, he's an important friend. He's helped me out a lot. Uh, and if he's not okay, then I want to help him. But if he is okay, then maybe. And then she's like, well, I'm going to go listen to him play. And uh, then I'll know if he's all right or not. And I do like that this, we have this moment where she's like reflecting on this and she's like, well, I guess he's okay. But because she's been around him really more than anyone else in this series so far, she's the only one who thinks like maybe Lucky's just not super cool and confident and has been through his ultra training arc where he's fine with everything. Now, maybe there is something that's up with him, but I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's nice. So she gets up. And she's kind of lost in her thoughts. So as she's getting up, she just bumps into Fanta, who is on his phone and is wandering down the hall by himself. Uh, so they and he just like bumps her immediately right back onto the bench. And uh, he says, oh, oh, sorry. And he reaches out to help her up. Uh, and uh, his hands are fucking huge. Uh <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture where you see like his hand taking hers and just dwarfing it. So, yeah, uh, she's, of course, you know, surprised by him, but he helps her up and says, oh, you know, that uniform, that's the same as Lucky's uniform. So are you his guest? And she's, you know, very nervous. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, so he smiles at her and says, oh, sorry, I bumped into you. Enjoy the performance and walks away. <laughs> and that's just kind of it. Uh, then we cut over to Rajiro and Rajiro, uh, says to himself, like, look, I don't understand the music the way that Sora Chica was, but I could understand Saiba's performance just now. And I know that he wants to lose this. And he has, of course, recognized Saiba since the meeting. The mask didn't matter. Makes sense. Uh, and, uh, 
so he actually directly asked to go up against Rin in this moment. And then we get a confirmation like, yeah, Mimin is going up against Maloli. And then Font is going up against Lucky. Yeah. So, uh, and Raydro, as he's taking his place at the piano, says, you know, I wanted to apologize to Saiba for losing on purpose by instead having honest battle now. And I never thought that he would want to lose. It's not like he didn't do his best, but I didn't think it would feel this awful. And he starts to play and the fucking buster sword descends from the heavens. (laughs) Because this fucking series is about pianos. (laughs) (laughs) And as he plays the giant marching notes that had been summoned by Saiba get cleaved in half. (laughs) Uh, And everyone like feels the resonance left behind by Rin's performance getting cut away. And Rachel thinks to himself as he starts to play and he's tearing up. I did something horrible back then and I'm so sorry, but Saiba it's okay. I forgive you for everything you did. So just be you. You're my friend and you were my greatest hope. And uh, he reflects on their time and uh, them being kids playing together. Just like us, Nick. Yeah, that's definitely uh, what we were doing when we were like, you know, eight years old. Yeah, I'm sorry I stuck that that glass in your piano. Um, yeah, I'm still a little angry about that. Um, it's fair. You should be because that is a crazy thing to do. I can't flip people off anymore. So I broke your hands. Yeah, <laughs> With, uh, that's how that works. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles. Chapter 117. Rain Ames and the strongest polearm user. So last time, uh, whatever stupid tiny monster thing was joined by Lemon. And together they're like, we have to get this key working. Let's go. One, two, three. All right. That was a practice round. This time, one, two, three, and they try again. It's not working. And suddenly the wall smashes in. Are they both pulling on it? Is that what's going on? I thought I didn't know if it was supposed to be because I really wanted it to be that they're both going in an opposite direction. That's yeah. why like it's not working. Uh but yeah, it is it is definitely uh curious. Uh the door blows so boost op- bursts open the wall. Uh, and there is a heavily tattooed man with um, a Cerberus behind him, just a yep. three-headed dog. And he says, I'm the former death row inmate, Golbo Bateri. <laughs> and I'm taking Mash back with me. And we end with the two of them just like, oh shit, this guy looks like bad news. Yeah. Cut over to Lance and Dot, who are uh, meeting with Epidem the pudding guy and uh, Lance is like back off. I'll handle all this. And Todd's like, what are you stu- like? Are you stupid? Like, why would you handle it alone? Like, why wouldn't you just let me help you? I'm right here. And they start fighting each other. And Epidem's like, Hey guys, well, let's not fight. And Dot, like with his face all mashed up, is just like, dude, your enemies like, yeah, but let's, let's be reasonable here. Like what? And then suddenly Dot and him are at a table Having like a conversation, and Dot's just like, 
It's like he doesn't even care that I saved him. All he ever does is insult me. And Badem's like a psychiatrist, just like, I see, I see. And how does that make you feel? And he's just like, well, you know, girls don't like me. And, you know, he's like, why don't anybody like me? And I just like, yes, yes, it's very true. It's always good to get these things off. Would, would you like to join Salvation? Dot's like, what? what? He's like, putting <laughs> And Dot, of course, at this point is just, yeah, of course he's a sucker. He's just, he's like, can putting save a hopeless soul such as myself? Like, yes. Concentrated sugars will take all your troubles away. Try a bite. This is what putinologists actually believe. Yeah. <laughs> Dot takes a big bite, and suddenly he's like, oh my god, it hurts. It hurts so much. What'd you put in that pudding? And it's like, yeah, stupid. Why did you eat the pudding? <laughs> <laughs> um, we cut over to Rain and Finn, who have encountered Deli Saster, who I didn't know exactly what his character was supposed to be but then they explain in this chapter he's like yo 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 everybody having a good time i hope y'all are because it's party time living that party life what what party party oh slam it chug chug and he's just a fucking party bro like Apparently he's every party bro too, because he goes from like yo, and then popping bottles, chug, and then he's like, Ugh. yeah, he's like my hooker, good bros, oh yeah, yeah, oh, that's the good stuff. Anyways, what y'all doing here? <laughs> y'all here to enjoy a little life? You get, you get it. And of course, Finn's just like, I don't. Please, Dundee's like, oh, you're giving me fair, you're giving me strong beta energy right now, boss. I gotta tell you, you gotta be a real Sigma. You need a drink. Finn's like, I'm not old enough to drink. He's like, oh, he's judging over here. <laughs> and then, of course, Finn or Rain is just like, fuck this, you know, and just shoots a sword at him. <laughs> and Deli's just like, oh, bro, we, come on, man. We have fun here. We having a good time. And Finn's like, all right, fight starting. I've got to do my part. And then immediately Rain like hits him with a bunch of swords, sends him across the room, and then makes a whole bunch more swords to basically put him in a cage. And he's like, look, stay out of this. I told you before, you're a burden. So it's just going to be the two of them squaring off and they, they exchange weapons at each other, you know, shink, shink. And like there's a, it seems like they connect or they, you know, go against it. But then beneath Rain's sword was another sword and it slams right through his face. And Rain's just, or Finn's just like, yes, good one, Rain. There's no one better at inflicting lethal and semi-lethal damage as you. If that doesn't finish him off, and then suddenly Finn, or Rain, gets slashed in the side. And it's just like, oh no, what happened? And uh, Deli says, oh, you said something about shutting my mouth? And we see that there's a sword just impaled into his head, just all the way down. It's like split open, and it starts closing and regenerating. He's like, oh yeah. I want to see you do it. I want I want you to shut my mouth up. Pretty please. Okay? Thank you. Bada bing. Interesting voice that you've chosen for this character. I, I just want him to be like that in my mind. Because this is a character I had no interest or care about whatsoever. And then they revealed that he's just a party bro. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I definitely appreciate this. Like, okay, good. All the brothers are just total weirdos, except for Doom. That's just it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, 
I do also like the weird exchange that we got between Dot and um, Epidem because <laughs> I didn't expect that this would go as far as him trying to get Dot into his cult. <laughs> uh, so yeah, entertaining chapter. Liked yes. it. The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 72, Leaving Shinano, 1335. Uh, Tokiyuki returns from his exchange with Sadamune. Uh, and, of course, he's like, oh, man, he almost killed me. And Yorishige says, like, yeah, you enjoyed that, didn't you? Hey, be more careful from now on because, look, it's not just you now. Your existence gives hope to all these people. And... Uh, all these soldiers swarm Tokiyuki, they're embracing him, and they're saying, I can't believe that you're alive. I, I can't believe we're fighting for the Hojo heir. Miura, who, of course, insulted Tokiyuki before by all of his men picking their noses, goes to pick his nose with his sword, as in stab himself in the brain and kill himself. Um, and Ayako and Kotaro trying to hold him back from doing it. Uh, and uh, so Miura instead bows before Tokiyuki, apologizes for insulting him. Uh, and he's like, I'm sorry for thinking that you were a lunatic and a pervert. Uh, and some others, you know, comfort him and say, it's all right. I too thought he was a naked weirdo running around. <laughs> um, but Tokiyuki gives some encouraging words to Miura. He takes the sword from him and says, look, my retainers must value living above all. Otherwise I cannot rely on you. Uh, so Miura, you know, apologizes again. He says that, uh, you know, look, uh, you don't, you don't have to be so formal with me. You can, you can call me Hachiro because, you know, your station is above mine. So there we go. Um, Tokyuki's uncle gets up on, uh, a, a, a level. It'd be a little louder about that. Uh, so, um, uh, he goes up and just says like, by the way, look, I don't have as big an announcement as, Tokiyuki does, but just so you know, I'm I'm his uncle, and I'm Takatoki's younger brother, uh, and I've been writing letters to call for aid. So anyone out here who is a fleet rider, disperse these through the land, uh, and which makes sense. It's like, yeah, Tokiyuki is alive, and we can spread the word of that now in order to get help. So they start uh, to do that. Uh, and everyone is very encouraged by all this that has happened, and like, we can actually win. We can do this. Everyone's got hope among them now. And Yoroshige turns to Tokyuki, and he says, what gives the greatest hope is not the passing exaltation of faith or revenge, but a real chance of victory. Makes sense. Um, and he says, look, and you've got to respond to that hope, so give the command. And Tokyuki mounts up, and he calls out to everyone to move forward. And from there, we cut over to the enemy forces. And we spend a little bit of time catching up with those uh, group leaders that we have occasionally been cutting to, uh, getting a bit more used to as we kind of move into this new phase of the conflict between Takauji and Tokyuki's forces. Um, and um, there's not really a lot happens here it's just kind of like hey remember these people remember the gimmicks and stuff remember how cool looking they are yeah and then they learned that tokyuki is alive uh, after that um uh then uh we get uh tadayoshi uh takaoji's younger brother uh saying okay the enemy is coming for kamakura 
and I've ordered the wars of Shimotsuke to intercept. And uh, Yoshisue wants to know, like, well, why are you saying that they're going to Kamakura and not Kyo? I mean, because that would require passing through this stronghold here. Uh, and Tadayoshi says, well, I spoke with Yorishige at the Miyazawa Festival, and I could tell that he is a shrewd and intelligent man. And due to the failed recent assassination attempt, many soldiers have left Kamakura for Kyo, which is part of Yorishige's plan. Attacking Kyo is just a ruse. And he has raised the Hoto era with the intent to reclaim rule. If that's the case, before making for Kyo, he'll use the Hojo name to gather soldiers. He basically perfectly bullseyes Yorishige's plan. And so, thus, the only path forward is to go to Shimotsuki in the north if they're going to make their way for Kamakura. So he orders Shibukawa and Iwamatsu to gather their men and leave the next day. And he says, look, you're the best. Extinguish this wildfire before it spreads. And those who he hasn't issued the orders to look upon him are like, yeah, this this guy is crazy good. He's frightening. He heard this huge amount of shock and he just guessed the entire plan just knowing who was uh, involved in it. And between our general and these great fighters, we can't lose. And then we get narration that just recaps. Tokyuki's left Shinano after two years. He now has this army at his back. And thus began the thrilling adventure of the boys return home. And the person Tokyuki is now squaring off with is not yet Takao, is not yet Takaoji, but Tadayoshi instead. So it seems like we've got our next like general figure for Tokyuki to be focused on. Yes. Interesting stuff. Yeah. This was I mean, like we've had a lot of this like explaining strategies stuff uh, in the last several months of Elusive Samurai. This was the part where it felt like, okay, you know, it's very straightforward. The enemy is really good at this shit, too. And I think that's all you need to know. Yes. All right, Nick, let's wrap this up with One Piece. Gaia, back. <laughs> Chapter 1054, Flame Emperor. We get this big two-page color spread to start off the chapter color pages of our new four emperors <laughs> it's great like intimidating terrifying cool buggy <laughs> like, <laughs> who is all those things yeah and you're like and like they made him fit thematically to be uh-huh. an emperor but you're still just like waiting for that shoe to drop for him to be like so i tripped and accidentally stabbed akino in the eye or something <laughs> like how he actually got that that emperor spot <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that influence is a big part in it, and he does have a lot of followers, I guess. But <laughs> um, So we begin in the flower capital. People are getting word that there is an invader heading towards them, uh, and there is an immediate agreement among Dendro and some others. are like, yeah, we, we can't let Luffy and the others hear about this because they're recovering from the fight, and we don't want them involved in this. So instead, the Akazaya 9 stand in the way uh, in order to stop. Oh, gosh, I've forgotten this guy's name. It's uh, 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 Ryo Goku. Ryo Goku. Uh, so, yep, Ryo Goku squares off against uh, all the samurai who, of course, are still wearing you know the scars of battle. 
uh, and wood and vines start to swarm from his body. And he says, hey, you guys know how things work out here? The celestial dragons are the gods of this world. You're in a country unaffiliated with the government. You have no human rights. So don't blame me for it. It's just how the world works. And he summons a forest of fists to start attacking people. I, this dude is such a fucking cock. Like the last time we met in a, a new admiral, it was, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Fuji Tora. Um, yeah. And he like was kind of a dickhead, but then you came to be like, okay, this guy actually seems to care about people. Like he, he seems to be the kind of closest to like uh, a new Aokiji in that group. And then you kind of have high hopes. Like maybe the, the Navy isn't completely shitheads. And then you meet this dude and you're just like, this dude is a fucking cock. Like this dude sucks so much ass. And at the same time that this is happening, like, I have to wonder, like, those people were like, One Piece is in the political series. You're like, I don't know, this dude's talking about how the world needs discrimination to make sure the elite can live in a happy peace. So, you tell me, man. Yeah, unfairness creates justice. Uh, if you can take over for a yeah, little bit, absolutely. please. So, uh, we revealed that he has the power of the woods, woods fruit, as he summons a collection of trees and fists made of trees to punch everybody. And he is just screaming about how everybody here has no human rights and we need the inferior. Discrimination creates solace is his actual fucking phrase of explaining it. And he's like, it doesn't matter how many people in this country die because the law doesn't apply here. I will kill all of you. I'll kill thousands of you and reach Straw Hat Luffy and, you know, all that. And then we just hear from the air, you won't be doing a single word of that. As fucking Yamato shows up. And he fucking cracks Ryogoku in the fucking head and he fucking hits the ground like, oh shit, that hurt. That's some tough fucking hockey. Um, and they're just like, hey, the people here have been oppressed for 20 years. I am not letting you ruin their first chance to celebrate and allow. I'm going to allow their hearts to be free again. And Yamato declares himself Yamato, the son of Kaido. And we, of course, get Ryogoku being like, the son of Kaido! Uh... Mamanosuke shows up and is like, yes, we well said, Yamato. The, the heroes have yet to heal, so we shall battle them. Blast breath! <laughs> and it's just like a little poof. And it's just like, huh. And then I like his, his legs start doing like the Sonic the Hedgehog, like speeding up kind of motion. And then he just fucking points him. <laughs> He's just like, no. Um, yeah, Goku's just like, oh, there's a pink dragon. This is weird. I've never heard of anyone with these powers. And, you know, Mamanosuke gets all tangled up in, in veins and all this. But uh, Yamato is prepared to fight. And Mamanosuke is like, no, you must not fight. And we, we don't get a resolution to that. We cut over to Shanks, who is right off the coast of Wano. And he just says, ah, Luffy's been a great pirate. You know, this is, this is pretty good. Well, we haven't been here since we've, you know, said goodbye to Odin. I wonder how Momori and Hi Momo and Hiyori all are. And uh, Lucky Rocks is like, Captain, let's go see Luffy. And fucking Yasup, the worst dad in the world, is like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to meet my kid yet. It has been like eight years. 18 years. <laughs> see your child. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we know two of these characters. I don't know if we know the character on the left or not, uh, but... 
Someone will probably correct me. And we see Shanks just looking at Luffy's bounty and be reminiscent. And we see a little bit of the flashback that we kind of had, I guess, more context to thanks to uh, whatever his name, who's who, where we we know about how that specific devil fruit was stolen. But everybody thought it just meant like people get rubber powers. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Why is this actually happening? Uh, and then, you know, Shanks getting his arm taken off and everything like that. And I'm like, huh. I guess all the bosses uh, know that Straw Hat Luffy guy. You know what I heard about Straw Hat Luffy? Oh, he seems like he's monstrous, uncontrollable ape of a man. Yeah, that's what they say. And Shanks just says, I'm not interested in seeing Luffy. And they're like, oh, what? why? And he's like, well, remember what's happening in our territory right now? And they're like, oh, yeah, some follower of Luffy, Bart something or another. He burned all of our flags down to replace them with Luffy's. I was like, hell yeah, you go, Bart Lemayo, go for it. Uh, and like, all right, well, we, 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 what are we going to do? Like, all right, I guess, I guess we got to do it. Shanks goes up and cocks to Ben Beck and says, Hey Beck, I think it's time to make our move. Let's claim the one piece. And you're like, I'm sorry, fucking what? <laughs> uh, no time to deal about that though. Cut over to the Navy HQ where there's fallout talking, uh, particularly about the flame emperor Sabo who killed neferti cobra whoa and also there's like deep unheaval in the land of the gods because there was a fight between the celestial generals and the admirals and the generals kind of managed to fight to a stalemate and freed kuma and then escaped without any of them being caught or apprehended and Vivi's gone, too. No one knows where she's at. And we know that she was on one of those posters that the fucking uh, one above all, whose name I've forgotten, Elko or some shit like that. And that was there. So that seems like that's definitely something that might play into this. And then we're introduced to kind of, I guess, another significant character in the Navy, the director of the FBI, Kurouma, a.k.a. Tensei, who's like, yes, we're still investigating the matter to find out what's going on. But this has been a double blow for Alabasta. And Akino is just like, oh, my God, this is fucking crazy. Emu, that's sorry. That's I knew it's kind of like an animal. Uh, they're just like, this is fucking like everything's a big mess right now. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Let them figure it out. <laughs> And uh, Tensei also tells us that there's more revolts going. There is specifically an eight-nation revolution opposing the world government right now. So we're going to, I guess, at some point find out what eight nations have decided to unite together against it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Elbaf will be one of them. Simply because I want people to talk about Elbaf. And now people are worshipping... I mean, I don't know who that is, so... Elbaf's Land of the uh, Giants. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know names. It's fair. That's very fair. There's a lot of them in this series. There's a lot. Um, and then they're like, oh, yes, and the people are now worshipping Sabo as a god. In fact, he is now probably more prominent than even Dragon of the Revolutionaries. This is crazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and they point out, like, oh, and his brother is also an emperor of the sea. So, you know, you get, like, some anarchist guy who's just like yes the world uh, like the pyre the flame brothers emperor or the flame emperor's brother has up at an old timer the times are changing and akino stares out into the sea and says this is one hell of an age to be the fleet admiral and but no matter who comes at us 
I'll drive each and every one of them back into the depths of the sea. This is the kind of thing a good guy says. Yeah. They're all heroes, Nick. The, the Navy are the guys. good guys. Um, well, this is a lot. There's a lot in that chapter. There's so much in that chapter. Uh, and uh, we're probably going to not follow up on any of it next week. <laughs> Almost certainly. Almost certainly. The thing the thing that really stood out for me is the Shanks moment. Because it's such a cool moment of being like, all right, let's go get one piece. <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry, what? You can do that? <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Um, you know, we've got all this stuff where, you know, his crew are the ones that are talking about Luffy and his accomplishments and his reputation and everything. And then it's like... Shanks comments on like none of that. It's like, no, nah, we're not going to see him. We're gonna go claim, go, go, go claim one piece. And you just kind of see him just like reflecting on their times yeah. that they've had together. And you don't really get, you know, anything, but like, I guess a vaguely fond recollection of his pseudo surrogate son. Um, and that's just kind of it. And he's like, let's go, go get one piece. Why? I don't know. It's just decided it's time we make our move. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, with that, I think it's time to wrap up Leaky Manga Recap this week. Let's yep. talk about our favorites. Favorites. Chapter MVP. Chapter of the week. Nick, why don't you start first? Go real quick. Uh, I would say that my favorite chapter of the week um, was... Oh, I don't know. Okay, um, I'll go first then. Uh, my favorite chapter this week, I think, was going to be One Piece. It was a really exciting chapter with a lot of little nuggets to dig into. And that moment with Shanks was cool enough that I almost wanted to give him character of the week. It feels a little small of a moment to give character of the week to, but it was super cool. I will give my character of the week to Billy, who at this point is three weeks running as my character MVP, which shouldn't happen. <laughs> that doesn't feel like that should be allowed. But here it is. <laughs> uh, I am going to give mine to <sighs> undead and luck um okay. for the same reason basically that you gave billy your uh, mvp but i'm making my mvp your because holy shit she got to do stuff <laughs> and it was a nice your chapter hooray <laughs> that is very fair the audience by the way uh agreed with me down the line one piece for series of the week and billy for mvp it's definitely understandable. Good stuff. A lot of good stuff this week, though. I think a lot of good chapters yeah, to talk about. A lot of good chapters, I would say. Um, and then there was Duran Duran. No, no. Hey, <laughs> come on. It's great. Which well, Geo showed up for. So it was it was pretty good, actually. <laughs> just for the, like, just because we've kind of like been like, where the fuck is Geo for this whole time? <laughs> All right. I guess that's going to do it for my recap, everyone. So thank you for joining us for the live recording of the show. We do it uh, on here on twitch.tv slash Rolo T Wednesday evenings, usually starting around 730 ish Eastern time. We did have to start a little bit late because we both had stuff going on, uh, which is why I went quiet for a while there. Um, but um, to stay up, to get on changes like that and to know exactly when we're going to be going live, you can do a couple of things. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash uh, Rolo T, FF Time, WMR Podcast, and we and uh, Quinn sends out a uh, tweet 
to say when it begins. But that also goes out on our Discord server where you can participate in fun discussions regarding everything related to the podcast and also kind of not related to the podcast as well. There's like biweekly game nights uh, that happen on there, just some general fun chats. But it's also a good place to talk about series that are getting recapped when the chapters come out uh, and the current recommendation. You can use it to make your own recommendation by accessing the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of fun statistics associated with the show. Previous series that we have covered, uh, MVP and favorite series voting and year-end polls and all sorts of great helpful stuff. Uh, you can, uh, we would also like to extend special thanks to anyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash recap. Uh, just subscribe on there if you like anything extra associated with the show. We do uh, extra episodes. We do uh, monthly other recaps. Or Quinn does. I don't because uh, I ain't reading that stuff. But <laughs> um, And uh, we also want to thank uh, people who help make the show what it is. Because we do, uh, you know, of course, we do this video recording of the show. And that means that we need like a, a stream frame for it. And I didn't make that, and you didn't make that. So thanks for everything. Kyle Jackson, Winsley Dale Cheddar, Ninja X3i, and Steve Mann, a tile card artist. Uh, you can see more of the fruits of their labor on the YouTube channel for the video versions of the show, uh, where you can also see the introductory sequence done by Winsley Dale Cheddar and Kyle Jackson. And uh, also, the podcast can be listened to at weeklymonkerrecap.poppy.com. And now I have to stop talking again. Goodbye. That's pretty much going to be it for the episode. We uh, want to thank everybody. I say stay tuned. Hopefully, we're going to talk about Pokemon Black and White next week. Uh, that's the goal, at least as of the moment. Uh, we're talking about all your favorite Gen 5 Pokemon, like Vanillish and Solosis and the goth Pokemon that aren't as horny as you would expect. Uh, but there is a stomp Pokemon, and that's hornier than you'd expect. So, uh, but that one I think might be Gen 6 or 7. I don't know. It, it, it's somewhere later in the series. Anyway, we're going to talk about all your favorites. Uh, and the elemental monkeys, I guess. So that is going to do it for Weekly Monger Recap this week. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. I hope everybody had a great time. We're going to get you later. Bye.